Good evening, good evening, good evening. That extended growl was from Mr. Happy Man over there, the Fifth Ward Wildcat. You listen to Everybody another Sound like he didn't swallow the owl. Something. Well, he wouldn't do that. He loves the owl too much. But this is another KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Doing just fine today. Doing just fine today. Today was a good day. Doc, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I was a little tired early getting back in town from Puerto Rico. From a extended See how he trip. just dropped that yeah, down there? That's what, three, Juan, three weeks Rico in a row you've been coming back from a, from some place out of the country? Yeah, three out of the four. That's Went good. all the way from Canada to Caribbean. Wow. That's that's good. See, that's why we're glad to have you part of the podcast, sir. Thank you for having me. Doc, if you don't mind, let's let the Wildcat have his time yeah, here. That's fair. Y'all to gonna grin and, and shine and, and talk about his beloved Hootie Hoos. Go ahead, Hootie Hoot! Hootie Hoot! Hootie Hoot! Not since the 1957 year, Jess Neely was standing on the sideline in his long coat and brim. Rice Isles are fighting for an outright conference championship in Conference USA. First ever for this group, for this program. Um, what was talked about today was the 19 red shirt seniors that have come in and pretty much have taken ownership of this group of this team and have persevered through the early years of the ups and downs, the injuries, the hardships, guys stepping up to the plate, replacing. They got it done the last the, this this past week against Tulane in what I thought was probably the best football defensive effort for this group this season. They pulled it out and they put themselves in position to win a conference championship this upcoming Saturday at eleven AM against the Marshall Thundering Herd. Rice uh, has a chance to... And where will the game be played, sir? It'll be played here in the city of Houston, Texas, on the campus of Rice University. Not since the days of the last time a, an opportunity was given for Rice to compete for a conference championship was 1994 during Ken Hatfield's days, his first year at Rice. They had a four-way tie in the old Southwest Conference only because Texas A&M was ineligible that year. That most notable win that pretty much propelled them to, to get an opportunity to win uh, to tie was a 1917 win over Texas at home. They also beat my compadre across the ways, University of Houston Cougars in the Bayou Bucket 31-13. But as they say, that's, that's history. Now, this group is about to make their own history in the year of 2013. And who would have ever thought in the last in five years, th all three Division I teams in this, this city would have had a shot at a conference championship, especially not in my day, because I never thought that Rice would get to that point where, for whatever reason, getting lucky out of, you know, things being, uh, opportunities being what they were, being what they are, that Rice would have gotten a shot and either hosted or contended for a conference championship. Yeah, and I noticed that when you're talking about the fact that they're playing Marshall, both Rice 9-3 overall, 7-1 in conference play, and obviously there's two divisions to have this championship, but Marshall's also 9-3, 7-1 in conference uh, USA play. How do they determine who gets the home field? After, well, it, it, it all boiled down to Rice and Marshall not playing each other this year 
and the conference doesn't go by a common opponent. So their last tiebreaker, the next tiebreaker in, in line, is the highest-ranked BCS uh, team in the conference competing for the either West or the East Division. That team will host. And as the numbers came out last night, uh, Rice came out with high, bigger numbers than uh, uh, bigger, uh, higher ranking than Marshall. And that, as they say, is the rest is history. And, and now, they, were, for Rice. they were surprised because there was a lot of gloom and oh, doom yeah. yesterday afternoon. Worried about it, Rice being snubbed and afraid that the coaches' poll were going to push the the uh, BC, the ratings in favor of Marshall and have to go over to Huntington, West Virginia for the championship game rather than uh, having it here in H-Town. But as I text the Wildcat, Mr. Hootie Hoo, uh, later on. I don't mind that. They, uh, I don't mind that. Yeah, with, with, the, with, the, with the news that the Rice would be hosting the game. The game's going to be on, uh, what, ESPN? Yes. Or ESPN 2, whatever. ESPN, uh, hold on here. Make sure. I don't want to be wrong. 11 o'clock kickoff. Yep. So that's a good thing. And to piggyback off of that, the Rice Lodge basketball game is scheduled for Saturday. has been pushed back from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Right. To accommodate everybody celebrating, hopefully celebrating Al's victory in the championship game. So uh, Dr. said ESPN2. So 11 o'clock kickoff. Good luck to the Owls. Correct me if I'm wrong. Let's go back a year or two. But in Coach Bayless' time there, was there a point in time not too long ago where he was in trouble? Yes, very much so. Uh, especially wow. with this group, that, that this senior group, that, this group that came in that we're talking about today. Uh, Got to be patient. And, and what it boiled down to was teams being, oh well, the team being in transition from Coach Graham's group to Coach Bayless' group, getting into an opportunity to either. Step into slots and all that were were coming uh, were coming open because of ga by graduation or attrition, and stepping in and then picking up instead of p stepping in and dropping off, and it was during that period, those first two years that uh, this group was freshmen and senior uh, freshmen and sophomores, it was a lot of uh, back and forth and a lot of questions being asked. I think you you give a long answer there, but it'd be nice. It's just about administrations finally being patient. I mean, in this new day and age, essentially, people are not patient. And so championships are supposed to be won really quick or you won't ever get a chance to show that you could build it. And it's team. a contrast because you know this firsthand. When Todd Graham left after his turnaround at Rice, there were some pissed-off people yeah. on campus over there with athletics. Um, right. But what it boiled down to was when he Very left – that that pretty much that that administration group pretty much wiped him off the. It was like the conquering hero. They just wiped him totally out of the record books, off the website, any information related to that particular uh, coaching staff. <laughs> <laughs> but when they changed athletic direct uh, uh, athletic directors the next time around, that's when uh, things kind of like uh, fell back into what they were before as a patient group. But there was still some. But it was a lot of the, on the academic side, professors, right. if you would. Right. They were quite frustrated with the direction they thought they saw the university right. going from this academic, academic. hallowed, uh, athletic vintage program, as you see out there in some places. They thought they were headed back this, to the just neither days. Yeah, to and this friendly. And a lot of them thought that. That's, that's interesting to see that they. They didn't want to go back to the just neither days. That, that's what it ball boiled down to. You know, it, 
I don't, I don't too much blame them because they were browbeating during that time. You know, there was no tu uh, no tuition, no room and board. You got accepted. You showed up on campus, clothes on your back. You went to school. You played ball, graduated, and gave back. Donated back, I'll put it like that. If you chose. If you chose. But most folks did, and they still no, do. I'm, I'm looking at Conference USA, the article about the uh, Owls, why they were chosen to host rather than Marshall. It comes, it's coming down to like hundreds of points and decimals in the ratings. <laughs> that, uh, oh, as a mathematician, I love it. But uh, hey, computer rankings favor the Owls, long story more. short, and they're hosting the uh, Conference USA championship game uh, this you, Saturday. You always stress numbers. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And to that note, I saw on, on Twitter, I think, that a uh, Owls booster has uh, purchased a thousand tickets yes. for the right students to uh, be at the game and support the Owls <coughs> football team. They are to show up uh, before the game in the tailgate alley, uh, and there's a thousand tickets available per right student to pick up uh, for the game on Saturday. And after those thousand are gone, the student uh, tickets for for this particular game since. It is a conference event. They're five dollars a uh, a head uh, per your uh, student ID. That's not bad at all. Oh no! Oh, so I, I can buy take five dollars. Put him well. Find an ID. Find an ID. Or you get a student. You know, uh, hey, everybody standing. People standing in time in uh, line to buy me a ticket so I can do that. Yeah. Know. Why not? Come on back. You know, we'll, we'll see. See, you can you can you can see him grinning <laughs> through the the podcast, can't you, listeners? You can see him grinning. Through well, the podcast, I he was you, know. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on he's, back. He is truly happy for the Owls, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, as we're talking, Rice is a, Rice University is, is a city school. You see, Houston schools, a, we kid around, but it's always good to see the H Town schools do well. Um, you know, in, in any sport, academically, athletically, it's always good to see the schools doing well. So, let's shift gears a bit. Hootie who, who are you, sir? How can folks find you on the I internet? am Fifth Ward Wildcat. You can find me online at social media platforms, uh, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Blogger, as AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report, also online at thekingsizeview.com. Go to the, uh, the, to the uh, main page, see my photos, see the College Sports Report, Tab that, and it'll bring it right to my blog, and you can just find up all my my uh, post game articles, uh, my post game videos. Uh, most recently posted up today, what uh, well this weekend was the uh, uh, the post game from the SMU and U of H uh, conference game on. on Shutout game on. That's last right. Friday. The shutout. That's, that's right. right. The Cougars surprised me about get... shutting out SMU in a football Trust game. Trust me. None of us realized what we were looking at until that game was over with. And 30, guys 34 came in nothing said, Friday. It, that, was right. that was surprising. I, I, that, that was a defense I hadn't seen all season. I, and you know, and that, to, to their credit, I have to give them a lot. When you finish strong like that, late in the season, that tells me a lot. Some Something click, click, and you just figured it out. But the other thing that I noticed from the U of H uh, SMU game, U of H attempted to grind the ball, grind it on the ground when they needed to. They just put it on the ground and said, okay, carry it, take care of it, and we're going to move, move forward. And But when you lose your quarterback, especially on the college level, you're pretty much down and out. Yeah, and that's what happened with SMU uh, Friday. They just didn't have 
any backups now that were capable of uh, running Coach uh, June Jones' offense effectively. And senior Zach McMillan pulled one out of his hat uh, on uh, Friday. Got that interception that cut a, uh, kill the uh, drive and kill the touchdown uh, attempt. And it was back to the drawing board for SMU. It was a good day. I've got uh, post interviews uh, with uh, uh, Young McMillan. Uh, they are off on a. They are off this week. They are now. They are in a different situation. They have to basically wait two weeks when that, uh, the bowl games announcement before they'll find out where they are going. And as, as of this afternoon, they are projected to play Notre Dame in the pinstripe, in the pinstripe bowl in New York. That would be nice. So that'd be nice. Publicity be a good trip for the alums, and anytime playing Notre Dame gives you exposure. So that's, that's a, that'd oh, be, yeah, that'd be a good thing. So. You're not playing on the on the uh, satellite uh, satellite channel. You playing on the network. Yeah, and Doc, and who are you? Media that's covering them. You you talking about a national media platform, second to none, which two components you have one of the major national media playing programs in Notre Dame, and then you're in the capital of the national media spotlight in New York. So you combine those two, you're in good favor uh, to bring some and attention, you're much needed attention to your program. And you're playing in Yankee so Stadium, Stadium, Stadium too, yeah. So yeah, playing in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, you, you, yeah. so you add the third component. <laughs> yeah, what a trifecta. I'm uh, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, professor over here at Texas Southern University in sports management. Uh, start Started the program by writing the curriculum and now uh, the main instructor involved here brought in a second professor to continue to move. Basically, they call me the sports professor. If you would, I'm on social media platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, as well as Instagram. If you're following me on Instagram, you've seen my travails over the last couple of weeks. I need to stop following taking, you on Instagram. I uh, take pictures and things of that nature. Uh, even put out a little sensitive note after I saw what you were able to do last week. I took a picture of the sand and said I had a great morning with the sunshine and was walking with uh, my significant other, my best friend, my wife, boy, and I got all these people to just love this day. They mm -hmm. thought that was the sweetest thing since gingerbread. I was amazed. A little comment. And then it really took me off when I got up one morning, and I got to tell this because I was just so enamored. I took a picture of the blue water outside of my hotel, the blue skies just over the tree bank with the sand going out there, and I say, man, what a beautiful opportunity to spend Thanksgiving uh, day, if you would in San Juan, Puerto Rico, with family and friends. And why were you there, sir? I was following the Texas Southern University women's basketball program, uh, keeping up with them and making a good trip of it as they were doing their thing. They had a tough trip as they uh, played Maryland, number eight Maryland team. So I finally got to see Alyssa one of Thomas. the top. Yeah, Lisa Thomas and one of the top programs in the country, as y'all allude to. And so I'm even more enamored with women's basketball ever before. You know, I was a casual follower at best, um, m mostly a television person because I am a sports fan. So I'd keep up with them, but never had a chance to really see them in action. And now I can see why y'all have a great appreciation. And this is the number eight team in the country, which is amazing to me what you continue to talk about the number one team. And I just was basically a, a, a what do they call it, a parrot talking to my wife about UConn because everything y'all told me, I was just spitting back out. And she was just laughing and smiling because it was, it was awesome. And keep, and keep in mind, UConn played Maryland about two weeks ago. 
and beat them by 17 points. That's what I told her. I looked it up and I said, you know, I'm telling you, when I say I was a parent, yeah. everything y'all told me, I repeated. And she just, I said, this is just, so it was amazing. So, so Doc, now I'm going to ask you this question. What did it feel like to actually sit and watch basketball on a, on a women's basketball on a, on a college level different from what you uh, you noticed? See, I just had a greater appreciation for the skill set and the skill level. Of the women that were that there, you I've go. That, that's what I was looking before. for. That was the word I was looking for right uh, there. That it gave me a great appreciation, and to be able to see it really that close because we were in a gym, smaller gym, so I really was up close, and uh, so I saw things that I had never really captured uh, via television or captured when I'm playing, uh, watching uh, HBCUs, and you see some talent here and there, and you see some talented plays, but to see it so often with so many was something that I had not seen before in person. So that was um, a great opportunity. I really liked it. The second game was frustrating from the standpoint that they had like a five-point lead with about six minutes in the game and had some crucial turnovers and got beat up in the post where they lost the game by six. So to be in a position to win a game, particularly going that far, bouncing back after a tough, you know, 50-plus point, I mean 50-plus uh, point, no, 30-plus point loss, it's just basically 50. I'm trying to be nice. It was 159 or whatever. So it was a tough loss to Maryland and uh, and have a chance to win the game but don't quite close it out, which lets you know one thing that you will see with this Texas Southern team. I think they're going to do better in conference play, but you'll see some ups and downs from a young team uh, in terms of that. And they get some depth that will come uh, onto the roster in terms of the point guard play and a post player, which they needed in particular that second game uh, with those ladies not being eligible until the uh, – after grades are posted, and so they'll be ready to play essentially in two weeks. So I think that'll be a major difference when you start looking at the women's. Uh, the end of part of the story, because I don't want to leave it out there flying, was is actually the Puerto Rican um, tourist attraction retweeted my tweet. So I was like, that's pretty it. Yeah, that's, that's all yeah, right. That's, it is. And yeah. then. Um, I mean, somebody talking, was paying attention. Right. I said, that's all right. Tweet, and tweet, retweeted it actually twice. And then you had Ricky Martin. I had some traveling. The performer? Yeah. Oh. It had from Puerto Rico that was with Winona you know, and had some type wow. of traveling destination. Oh, tweeted, Doc, you said it all. You said it all. You said it all. You said it all. You You said it all. I So I had to get that out there Yeah. as we get in there. But as we kind of gravitate and we started out with the HBCU platform with the women's side. Um, Prairie View's down there struggling a little bit uh, as they're putting up some oh, very that's lopsided right. that's right. that's scores. Uh, I'm not going to um, comment. I'm just talking about the U of H, and we thought um, that would be interesting matchup, and to get uh, beat down by U of H should concern any Prairie View um, fan or HBCU fan that follows the women's side of basketball. With that being said, <clears throat> before I get back into the fit football as we're closing that up, uh, in terms of the final two weeks, the final poll that I send out will be out next week. Uh, but we have some big-time playoff performances. But on the men's side, um, you basically have two teams in terms of basketball that have not won a game. That's Grambling over there for uh, the SWAC. And then out of the MEAC, uh, you have a, uh, excuse me, a Tennessee State, which is out of the OVC Independent, has not won a game. You have a couple of teams that have won. Um, too many to count, about four or five, so I won't go out and give you particular teams that have gotten a win, but they haven't got a Division One win. So you got about 60% um, of the HBCUs at the Division One level at a win. And then you have some really good 
play uh, in the CIAA Division Two, but we'll get more into that. Let's get into this football as we start to close out and see what took place here. Uh, the big game of the week starting out on Thursday is the Turkey Day Classic. Some concerns of that game is the fact right. you had Stillman College coming in to play. Uh, obviously, we talked about two weeks ago right. that Tuskegee went to playoffs, played a good game, played North Alabama. Did not get it done there. And so that was some talks. Their attendance was like 12,000, 14,000, which is down from 20 as they did usually get Tuskegee, which we kind of bounced back and forth to see how that will continue to play out. So that's something to keep on the horizons over a couple of years. Um, in terms of that game, Alabama State did move forward and win that game, actually scoring 20 unanswered points after they got down in the third quarter, 28-21. to 21, Wow. When Stillman College was surprising a lot of people through that game. Just looked like the Alabama State Hornets said, no, we're not going to go out this way. They got tired of it, and they just ro rose up, won the game going away, 41-28, to 28, to show the strength of uh, where they were playing at, ending the season at 8-4 and 7-2 and in the conference uh, slate. Pretty good there. So that's what you're going on. And then on Saturday, you had the Bayou Classic. Uh, Southern had already won, obviously, the division, represent the West, uh, but wanted to beat up on their rival. So they won 40-17 um, to 17 in terms of that game and really went away. I think the biggest conversation coming out of that game was there was some major concern we talked about last week in terms of what would be the attendance of the SWAC right. championship game. And in accordance with that, you had Dr. Brashard, the athletic director of right. Southern, that actually went out and smartly did so, asking Southern fans that were possible they might not stay as many nights, but make the game. Um, right. They needed the attendance to stay there because um, they thought a lot of people would maybe skip the Bayou Classic as it's kind of trending down over the last couple of years and come over to see what they thought was really important. Obviously, the championship game. Well, tennis was listed at 47385 wow. which is a major coup from what that goes wow. on, which you would think would be a big indication what might take place here in the SWAC championship game in terms of some significant trends. So that's a positive note of what's going on in HBCU land. Now let's get into some of the negative side of a greater perspective of HBCU sports of what took place in the playoffs, particularly for the MEAC. 0-16 coming in this game. This was probably the best weekend for them to get a win. Um, they had Bethune-Cookman playing and traveling to Coastal Carolina. And you had South Carolina State hosting Furman. Furman out of the Southern Conference. Many people are familiar with the Southern well, Conference. Yeah. But it's not quite the same as it was because obviously Appalachian State that we are familiar right. with that won those three championships in a row and had many playoffs is gone as they've decided to play at the FBS level. And their neighbor down there that had many battles in the Southern Conference for championships was Georgia Southern has left as well. And obviously we know that they had six championships uh, during that time. So that's not the same conference that you're looking for. And Furman didn't even win the conference. They were uh, at large bid, mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons they hit the road. Coming in the game 8-4, and four, well, they won. One going away. 30-20, setback for the Bulldogs, a game. <coughs> I thought this would play in the fact that they lose by two, 10 at home. Not really good. They did go up in that game. They had a bad third quarter where they gave up 14 points in common. It was basically the difference in that game. Um, the other one I think was even a bigger headache and loss was Bethune-Cookman, uh, who has been to the playoffs several times, so it's no excuse. This is a team that had a lot of people playing back, and they was really playing for the playoffs this year. Not only did they lose, but they got dropped, 48-24. to 24. Wow. So the MEAC is now 0-18, haven't won a game since 1999. This is the first time they got two teams in the playoffs since 2010.
But obviously, if you look at that, uh, the playoffs expanded to 24 teams. But let's get in a little more positive note as we start to Please do. Up. Yes, get some positivity. <laughs> you had Tennessee State, HBCU Division One of the OVC. They drubbed <laughs> Butler. Butler's first time in the playoffs, expanded playoffs. Uh, coming out of the Pioneer League, nine, uh, they were 9-3 and three coming in, 7-1 and one in that game. Tennessee State got their quarterback, Michael German, back, and he was impressive. 31-0 shutout in that game. Uh, so they played well and got it done. That's the good news. The tough news, the bad news, depending on how you look at it. Eastern Illinois, top four-ranked team. That's who Tennessee State plays next. They lost to Tennessee State. Uh, Tennessee State lost to Eastern Illinois early in the season, but that was without the quarterback, Michael German, who was out uh, since that game actually was the first game he missed, getting injured to Jacksonville State. Gamecocks with a shoulder injury, so he came back played well. So those are some things you look there. In terms of the poll, as we move forward, I'll give you the top five. And essentially, the mid-major division uh, is over. We'll have our final posting next week. Uh, told you about the Stillman Tigers losing. They were one of the mid-majors to play this week. And the other one was Winston-Salem State to play in the playoffs. And I'll get to them at the top of the poll. Number five, you had the Miles Golden Bears at 6-4 and four in the season. And number four, you have Albany State Golden Rams also at 6-4. and four. Both of those teams out of the SIAC, as well as number three, the Tuskegee Golden Tigers finished the season at 8-2. and two. At number two, you jump to the CIAA with Virginia State Trojans, 9-1 and one on the season. And number one, not surprising anybody, continue to get it done. Very strong program. Winston-Salem State Rams of the CIAA, 10-2 and two on the season. All 11 first place votes, but they lost in the playoffs. Shocking to some. It was an early exit. Remember, two years ago they played in semifinals. Last year, a championship. Had a championship-level defense, and you'll see by the score that it definitely was a championship-level defense. They lost 7-0. Wow. So the team, the, the defense only gave up seven points. You would have told anybody in the world that is somewhat familiar with Division II football or definitely uh, Winston-Salem State Rams in terms of HBCU. You would have told them that the Rams only gave up seven points. They would have told you, no question, they moving on and playing in the quarterfinals. Not this so – Major problem in this game, quarterback transfer from Texas Southern goes out with a shoulder injury mm. in the first quarter. Oh, oh, no depth, huh? Yeah, and, and, and that's pretty much it. Had some depth, no but he hadn't depth. really played the depth. Actually, oddly enough, was the uh, quarterback that started the season um, that Rudy Johnson broke out, and he was the transfer from Grambling State University. Yeah. They played for the championship uh, that Texas Southern went to in 2010 that you alluded to earlier. Right. Okay. Uh, he was the quarterback that played in a game that was on ESPNU, that Thursday night game when essentially um, Texas Southern clinched. Well, they didn't clinch, but put themselves in a good position. They still had to beat Pine Bluff the next game, which they did. Right. Um, to play for a championship uh, that they won on the field, obviously, taken away since then. Uh, I have to put that out there. Uh, but that's pretty much what goes on there. Is Winston-Salem State is out of the playoffs, losing that game 7-0, a disappointing to most. Uh, but that's what takes the best. Let's get into the major division. Was some changes. We have now a top five matchup in the SWAC championship game based on some changes in the poll with South Carolina State moving. They slid out of the top five spot. And Southern, with their big win over Grambling, jumps into number five. Eight and four in the season. Defeated Grambling State Tigers, like we said, 40 to 17. Again, meaning you have a top five matchup because at number four, you have the Jackson State Tigers. Eight and three on the season. They did not play last week, so they're getting paid the Southern. 
see about this in the SWAC championship game. And number three, you have the Bethune-Cookman Wildcats. They fall from the number one spot, as you can imagine, after getting beat down 48-24 to the Coastal Carolina Chandeliers in that game, allowing Alcorn State Braves, while they did not even play, to slide up to number two and 9-2 and two on the season with three first-place votes. Their season is complete, so nice way to end up when you find a way to slide. They still have one weekend, so they might slide back down. We'll see how that goes based on the numbers and the votes. Bringing us to a new number one this week, Tennessee State Tigers, 10-3 and three on the season with seven first-place votes with the loss to Bethune-Cookman Wildcats and their big-time win in the playoffs over Butler Bulldogs, 31-0. They now jump to number one from the two position, so we'll see if they can hold it. They've had a big win, the big game that is coming out of this that will make this interesting um, as Tennessee State obviously plays this week as they look to see against Eastern Illinois. The point that needs to be made is Bethune-Cookman did beat Tennessee State the first game of the season. That game was in Nashville. But, again, the caveat there that it will see how the voters take place and what the numbers pull out is the fact Michael German didn't play in that game. At that time, he was doing an off-field suspension by the coach. Uh, who put him out for the first two games. Uh, and you see the difference in sure. the team play. And even that game came down to a very makeable field goal, 47 yards that just went uh, right, and that allowed the Bethune-Cumber Wildcats to win that game. And it wasn't running back 109 yards? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. No tide. No <laughs> tide. No, sir. Not roll tide. No tide. They roll right on out of Great coaching there, Nick Saban. Roll that tide. You're talking about being arrogant. How are you going to give up a 27-yard field goal, don't want to try it on fourth and one, and then decide you go kick a 57-yard Arrogancy. Arrogancy. You right. are – Nick Saban, you are Alabama. You got a dynasty going, and you going for a (laughs) three-peat. Folks, this is Alabama. We from Tuscaloosa. (laughs) And it never occurred to him that they could run it back. No. It never occurred to him at all. Like it, Apparently. It's happened in the NFL he, more than once. It's like it never he didn't happened. have the players on the field, but he said he told them to spread fan wide. But, but you know, <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you how. The, he didn't take responsibility for his own decision. He tried no, to pass the buck around. He, around. But, but he said, when, I told the fan out. When you look at, the, look at the, the, the camera angle from, up, uh, from the field goal, from behind the, uh, the goal post where the Auburn player was standing up on the goal, it was almost like an afterthought, like, oh, he caught the ball. Then when they realized he was running, it was he was almost at the forty or fifty yard line when they realized like, um, uh, looks yeah. like we need That's to get because up with they big guys. He didn't put anybody out there. He had multiple linemen to try to get his ch- a guy a chance to hey. kick the ball as if he was gonna kick it fifty seven yards in the first place. A freshman kicker. I just that just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just saying. I'm trying to give him an out. I'm just trying to give him an out. Stop it. Just be truthful. And put it on Nick. I told him Nick needed to go ahead and go to Austin if he go do it like that because he fit right in with. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, my long. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Uh, let's talk some basketball. Talk college real quick. Uh, Wildcat touched on it. We were at Hawthorne yesterday for the second day of the uh, Houston Cougars, David Jones Classic. And, and keep that tone because that's just what we watched yesterday. Keep that tone. It wasn't. It was Prairie View and U of H, women's basketball. So right off the bat, it, it wasn't great basketball. It was a stark contrast between seeing Maryland playing TSU or I had the opportunity to watch Louisville versus mm. Kentucky on TV, uh, number three and number six ranked teams. And that's how you prepare for You know, Kentucky won the game, beat Louisville <laughs> three, years, three, three straight years now. Then I drove over to Hawthorne to watch uh, a drop-off in talent, you know, considerably. All-Americans in the first game I saw, 
not all Americans in the second game I saw. But to the Cougars' credit, they won both games. They won. They beat Kent State on Saturday in the first day of the uh, David Jones Classic. And of course, they, for those who don't know, David Jones uh, passed away. He was assistant coach of U of H for many years, and a coach curl, and also the uh, Chandy Jones' father. And Chandy Jones is the greatest player in Houston Cougar women's basketball history, and got a uh, jersey hanging up in the Hawthorne's Pavilion Raptors. He passed away uh, about three or four years ago uh, of an allergic reaction. He was in the hospital for something else, and and this is very tragic, tragic story. story there. Yeah. But uh, that's one thing I will commend uh, head coach Todd Buchanan on. He he wanted to create the classic in order to uh, remember yeah. Coach Jones I and that. everything he, he he did for the program. I was surprised that the U of H uh, halftime, at halftime the score was like 31-25. It, it had no – did not seem to me that the game would end the way it did, 74-46 Houston. Um, Prairie View could struggle to score in the second half. They they only scored like four points the first ten minutes of the second half. Cougs on like a 20-2 to twenty to two run, something like that. Um, they got – once again got consistent effort – from their best player on the team, senior Tiana Campbell, uh, and then they got effort from everybody else. I think 11 players scored, 13 or 14 played, so 11 scored at least two points. That's a great balance. Down three, three double figures, 11 from Tiana Campbell, 10 from sophomore Tyler Gilbert, and then 10 from Bianca Winslow from Bellar High School. That's a Bellar High School product and a Hightower High School product, both sophomores. So that's a good thing. You know, there is there is area talent on U of H, and personally, the best talent on the team is in their freshmen and sophomores, mm. not the upperclassmen. So besides, this is me talking now, besides Tiana Campbell, I wouldn't play any of the seniors more than five, ten minutes a game. But to her credit yesterday, Destiny Tejada, senior, transferred from Houston Baptist, drew seven charges from Prairie View yesterday. She was in position. PV ran it into her. She picked up seven charges. I tweeted the NCAA and asked them if it was a record because seven charges in one game exactly. it seems like it some, some sort of record. Conference something. So I'm waiting to hear back from that. From anybody. From the NCAA, I may, I may have to contact the American or you know, whoever find out about that. But the post-game video features uh, Coach Buchanan, Tyler Gilbert, and Tiana Campbell. You can go to my website, HoustonRunBarView.com as well as my YouTube channel, Houston Round Bar Review, and see that. And I know uh, one proud parent has viewed the video, Mr. Gil Mr. Gilbert. He's already seen it and retweeted it on, on Twitter and retweeted it. So I know he's happy to see his, his, his daughter uh, get some good. recognition. Uh, and she played well. She, she got – Tyler got, Gilbert came in the game off the bench, picked up two fouls like a minute in the first half and, set, and sat down for a bit, came back in, she calmed down and played better. She gave the Cougars some, some much-needed production in the post. So they, the Cougars' second half was the best I've seen them play all year. Now, Prairie View, you, you, Wildcats spoke to uh, Coach Coach Brown. Coach Brown at, um, after the game interview is you, on, your, on your blog. You can find on my blog and uh, on my YouTube. Uh, just they're struggling. They're, they are – she talked about a lot of things, uh, what they needed to do to, to, uh, to grow – uh, they've got uh, two upcoming games uh, on the road. They go to FIU and play 
them on Friday, and then they uh, they head up north to uh, St. John's to play in their classic on um, next week. So there there's gonna be some some road weary uh, young ladies, but uh, Coach said they are, they they will have to grow up. But she did comment that swag time they'll be they'll be ready to play, and you know there'll be some upsetting being done by them, and they'll get upset by some teams, but they will compete in swag play. Uh, but you can hear it, you know. Well, exactly. You said it right there. That you know. But you can get out of her. You can get her words second out of, to win the out swag in preseason. Right. That's so, that's, which says a lot, right there. But I think, uh, in a lot of cases, I must admit, I think uh, with what we've seen in the preseason over the last four or five years, I think you could say uh, with quite confidence that the swag women's basketball had trended in the upward direction. Yes. Uh, Cooper brought in her thing, but you had a nice program at Prairie View. Uh, Toyell was doing the thing, and uh, Le- Legend uh, over there in Southern had the um, SWAC basketball between those three programs and a solid Valley and uh, Pine Bluff program right in there, really trending the conference in the upper direction. Uh, but obviously you know by now Cooper has left, uh, and um, you come in with Janetta Hayes. She seems like she's holding some things down and has some things moving forward. As we talked about, Toyell's left also in terms of uh, Cooper going, obviously, to USC, and, and then going home to our alma mater and Toyo going as assistant coach to Baylor. Uh, but those uh, Prairie View strugglings, you talking about some scores. They're 0-5, first of all. Let's get that out of the way. Um, Rice, 77-63. Then you have a Texas A&M number 16 in the country. You can understand them getting beat there, but 76-27. to 27. Then you play Florida State, 88-37. to 37. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, you have at home, respectable game, but you do lose 76 to 70. Um, and then obviously what we see with uh, Houston, uh, 74 to 46. Um, those are some scary outcomes, and you're talking about some games to come that may not get much better. I don't know it's about conference play. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle if they if the players have not lost confidence by conference play, they could be okay. Yeah, because my thing is, is I don't know how team. you not lose some confidence in there without finding a way to even steal some wins if you're not going to play any AI teams. That I don't advocate that, but oh, how do you yeah. find a way to get that confidence in these young ladies and you have beatdowns? I'm not sure psychologically you can do that. And, for example, you get beat down like that, you know, how do you make it exciting to come to practice where you tend to get better and you're not practicing that long as it is? So I, I just question how do you do that, and I think your point is well taken there. I'm just questioning, and that's more on the sports psychology side as a professor. I just never have believed in that you can gain confidence in that way. But I've seen different and stranger things happen, and obviously I just slept at a holiday and I'm not a coach. <laughs> touche, sir, touche. <laughs> uh, we talk about uh, the U of H men. They bounced back from two disappointing showings in the Bar- in uh, Brooklyn, in the Barclays Center, losing to uh, Stanford on Monday and then Texas Tech on Tuesday. That defensive showing of both games were left a lot to be desired. And honestly, as a as a basketball follower and a first and foremost a Cougar alum, I was pissed off at how crappy the defense was, but by the by the players. And Wildcat and I have both heard Coach Dickey say that uh, defense has to improve, and these guys would much rather. Uh, outscore their opponent, then uh, shut them down, and that that was on TV for everybody to see on on uh, 
Monday yeah, evening versus that, Stanford. That bothered me to, and they had a, to uh, show like that on national point TV. Lead late first half, and then they lost by, uh, they outscored um, by 20 points in the second half, I believe. And the second half. I stopped watching. I was watching second that. Second half of Stanford, in the first half of Texas Tech, uh, U of H, those 40 minutes, Cougars give up 100 points. That's a lot of and, points. And, That's and, a lot and, of points. And Texas Tech points. is not a high-powered offense. So mm-hmm. for, them, for them to get lit up by the Red Raiders, no disrespect to uh, Tubby Smith and his, his squad, but the defense was, was non-existent there. And, and Texas Tech shot 52.7% and I rebounded the Cougars by 20. So if you get outshot and I rebounded, there is no way in hell you're going to win a basketball game. Right. And that's what, exactly what happened. And you and I – That's scary. You and I were going, being at uh, media day – U of H seems to be the shortest front court in the in the in the conference, from what I saw. That showed up uh, for guys that showed up at media day. Now that's just me. They don't have they don't have height. They have girth, I guess. You count J D. Richardson, six eight, six nine, about two sixty. I mean, Valentine Izundo is, is is a six eleven seven footer. He's sophomore. He already plays now. Um, Chicken Dan, Dan Radnold, six ten. I want to talk about the negatives. I'm going to give them credit for bouncing back with a win Saturday to improve to 6-2 and two with a win over Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Cougars struggled first half once again, but they played much better defense in the second half and played the game without Daniel House, set out the game with a leg injury as it was announced to us then. Found out today that House had his knee scoped and he's uh, going to be out indefinitely, but he is expected back this season. Just not has not been the timetable for his return has not been now had been has not been finalized yet. Now, with that being said, moving forward, what thirty days from now, less than thirty days from now, when, when the first conference game? Oh yes, so right after uh, exams. So yeah, that that scoring part of the squad. That's gonna be. The, Totally missed. Totally missed. Be- uh, only because he put, you know, outside of Tayshaun, he carries the other part of that load. Scoring-wise. No, no doubt. And I'm not sure if the knee problem was bothering him the last few games because House was not his, himself. He was just settling for, for three-point shots. He didn't attack the basket, which is really his, his game. He settled for perimeter shots in Brooklyn in the Barclays, in the Legends Classic, and he missed almost every shot he took. Mm-hmm. So uh, his scoring was missed then, but they played much had much better balance Saturday in their win when you had uh, L.J. Rose and Tayshaun Thomas didn't even score a lot of points. Um, Gerard Stiggers finally decided to, to put the ball on the floor and attack the basket rather than just set up with three-point shots. Uh, he took 15 shots and seven of them, only seven of them were threes. He took eight twos. There have been games and everything he takes is a three-pointer, which really bothers me because he has more to his game than just being a three-point shooter. And Stiggers had four rebounds in the game Saturday over a Corpus Christi. In the previous three games, Stiggers had four rebounds. Three games, four boards, one game, four, four rebounds. So he has to get involved. Everybody has to step up. You can read my game article on my website, HoustonBarview.com. You can also subscribe to the uh, RSS feed as well. It's on my men's hoops blog as well. Post-game video with Coach Dickey and Dan Red And Tian Womack, let me give Tian Womack credit. 
He's a point guard. He's a backup point guard. He and L.D. Rose split time at the point guard. They even see time on the floor together. And both of them do a good enough job running the offense that they share time at the one or the two. And with House out for who knows how long, L.J. Rose may be the most consistent three-point shooter now. Dan, that's a question And T.N. Womack is probably the next best three-point shooter. So they're going to have to figure out a way where they can get the points. And without House, maybe they realize that we need to play defense to trigger our offense rather than playing offense to just try to outscore people like we are the Golden State Warriors. Or even the Houston Rockets. And let me talk about the Rockets because we didn't do this last podcast. The Rockets are on a roll. And, and that's the reason to talk about that. Uh, got a friend of mine who, who, was, who was fiending. <laughs> uh, he texted me yesterday or this morning or whatever. When's it, when, I'm fiending for the next podcast, man. And, you know, so I had to calm down and say we're doing it Monday evening, man. So calm down. So, you know, he's, he, he's one of our biggest fans, big supporters of the podcast. He's a huge Rockets fan, which is one of his flaws. And he also went to Reagan High School, which is another flaw. You know, hey, I can say that because HISD. <laughs> and surprisingly, he did not talk to me at all about the Reagan football team this year, which really surprised me. They had a Reagan had a great year. Yeah. Now, it's, 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 and I'm gonna let you finish. This is their second year in a row to the playoffs in that far. It's, yes, and, and they, they and they won and, a game. And they improved they in the playoffs this playoff year. Game. Oh, I can't think who it was. Dawson yeah, Dawson uh, beat uh, them. No, t- uh, no who is it? Yeah, Dawson beat them, but they beat Tom. Ball. No, no, no. Yeah, cause, but Dawson beat them last year like seventy to nothing. That's right. But this year they played Dawson and lost like 14 to 7, 21 to 14, something like that. So it was a much major, closer game. Major. So much more improvement for them. So kudos. I always got to shout out and show love to the HIV products. Yeah. You know. But back to the Rockets. Uh, they went in San Antonio Saturday night and outscored the Spurs, which is something that just hardly ever happens. They, be, they beat the Spurs 112, 106, less than 24 hours after embarrassing, just molly whopping the Brooklyn Nets 114 to 95 and that's after the Nets outscored Rockets by 11 points in the third in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Rockets were about 30 points and were cruising. This game was over. I was just me and me and Kim Davis were figuring what what to tweet. <laughs> because it was one of your tweets. It ain't about 50 points. It's all not really what it seems like. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, was just one of those it, nights. It was, as I say, it's a professional game out here, but it looks like I'm watching street ball and and, uh, and one, and they just, get, they just getting after. Speaking of the San Antonio game, what was, I didn't see it, I just saw the highlights once again because I was I was working at during the, uh, during the time. What was the transition between, the transaction between Coach, uh, 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 Mikhail and, and, and uh, uh, I can't, uh, Pakovic. So you, let see, Wildcat, A, I was at Hawkeye, so I didn't see it. B, I don't have Comcast, so I couldn't watch a replay of it. <laughs> there we go. And C, folks, so, none of you, bro. So <laughs> I, I heard about it, but I didn't really have an idea of, of what really took place. But well, I, I want to ask you about the Brooklyn, because I know people around here are more interested in the Rockets, uh, which makes sense, but. Just from a greater perspective of NBA, what's going on with the Brooklyn Nets? They're injured. Uh, Paul Pierce today is out with a hand injury for, I want to say, two to four weeks. Um, Kevin Garnett's old and banged up to trying to rest him. Brooklyn Lopez, the center, has been out with injury, thing, ankle problems. They have Darren Williams is still having ankle problems. So the best team money has bought has not been healthy enough to even, let to you even see what they are, how they would fit together. That combined with the fact Jason Kidd is a head coach and it's over his head. 
as a head coach. I mean, he 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 retired like a day as a player and was named head coach like the next day. So he's not prepared as a head coach. The pieces just don't fit. I mean, they have individual talent. The pieces don't fit. But fortunately for the Nets, they're in the Eastern Conference, not the Western Conference. So they still have a chance <laughs> at, a, at a playoff spot if they get things together and go on a winning streak of some sort. But, uh, yeah, the Nets have been a major disappointment. The New York Knicks, the New York area, basketball-wise, has been a disappointment. So, you know, that's just how things are. And me and my wolf, well, I'm a Pistons fan, and the Pistons have been a disappointment too, you know. So, But one bright note, uh, Pistons' second-year big man, I've talked, I backed on him a couple of podcasts previously, Andre Drummond, saying he, in a couple of years he'll be the best center in the NBA. Yeah, I remember that. Sunday versus Philadelphia, and also in Philadelphia. But he had 30 points, 19 rebounds, six steals. Wow. He's at 80% from the field. His wow. Biggest, his biggest negative wow. is foul shooting. He just can't. He's a, he's a horrible foul shooter. 80% from the field. He was Folks, seven, that's a lot. He was seven for 18 from the free throw line. So he could have had almost 40 oh. points yeah. if he could make his free throws. They played. And let me ask you fellas about this. Wildcat, I touched, touched on this yesterday during the basketball game. Right. But what are your thoughts on that? the hack-a-player philosophy in the NBA. I don't Last like four it. minutes of the game, his butt is sitting. Now, that's just me as a coach. That, that's where I look at I don't at. think you have any choice if you're going to play him. If, if he can't deliver for you, he's a liability, so you have to sit him. I don't like the uh, the, it, I, the game plan to do it. Right. I think it uh, is just not in the good spirit of the game. But obviously, if the NCAA doesn't have the good sense to make a rule against it, to protect themselves – uh, then coaches have every right to do what they think they can get away with to help them win a game. That, that, see, that's why I am. As long as it's a rule and the NBA allows it, I mean, only within the last two minutes of, of the game that you get the ball back after the, right. after the intentional fouls. But until then, make your free throws. And, and ironically, you mentioned that Dwight Howard knocked down two free throws and his look on his, on his face was, wow, I knocked them down. I knocked both of them down. He's He's – and he said this to uh, media colleagues in interviews, is he thinks too much. When and he's out there. At the, at the foul line, he's, and he's afraid to let folks down if, if he misses a free throw. And he said that. These are quotes from him that he's afraid of what people think if he misses the free throw. Yeah, and he's always been like that. If that, and, if that, yeah, if that makes sense because when he messed around and opted in in Orlando in terms of really taking his free agency – was really from that standpoint. So he's always had that personality. And he didn't leave because, not because he didn't think it was what he wanted to do or it was the right reason. He really just didn't want to let people down. And so he has that ability. So that's something to keep your eye on in terms of him going into playoffs, uh, hopefully not playing that way because he might have to kind of do like LeBron and, and get, you know, a head person to kind of help him find a way over that. And, um, and I do believe that's one facet I think that more teams or teams don't do enough of is have a shrink, basically. Yeah, you know, I mean, people may to, not want to use that and word, and but think, having and a I think guy that deals psychologically, psychologically with, yes, with the players, right. even if, you know, simple things help you overcome things. Yeah, emotional. Help, help you visualize being effective in your athletic endeavor, whether it's on the court, um, you know, on the field, whatever. Just, I totally agree. I, I'm surprised more and more teams don't do that. Particularly when you're talking about the financial implications of, of what's involved in it. 
I think it's just smart business when you're taking care of. I mean, you have CEOs out there, major corporations, that can handle numbers and day-to-day operations, but have problems dealing with other things, and they're smart enough. And obviously, it's a little different because they have ability to keep it uh, quiet. But if you have an internal uh, psychologist and psychiatrist or whatever, um, you can keep it quiet as well. But you do that. Because you help. And I think one thing that we don't look at this, and I'll quickly uh, allow you to move on after I say this, you're talking about a different generation of kids that were raised on the fact uh, that they played sports and they were heaped a lot of praise. And they had, they're on the back of a lot of people, so they hadn't necessarily dealt with a lot of failure. And right. So they don't know how to deal with it in a manner that allows them to be successful and learn from it. And so those are some things that I think that kind of get overlooked when you look at this oversaturation, if you would, and all this gluttony of media exposure. And we just kind of take it no thought for the wear. It's going to be interesting, but I agree with you, Doc. But me personally, if I'm the CEO, I'm going to hire somebody on staff. I'm with it, you. Because I, 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 I just – it's good a, money spent, in my opinion. Yeah, because it's when you start talking to, talking to these guys, as, especially during the off season, when they're just sitting around and they're not, you know, not playing ball, they're just doing pickups. A lot of things coming, you know, going across their their, yes. their, their mind and their head about, you know, spending this, spending that. You know, to, uh, how, am I going to be ready? And you're not talking about people um, that grew up. In a, in a highly educated environment in terms of a framework of understanding business. Like oh, yeah. CEOs yeah. are similar to business players from the standpoint financially well-to-do. But usually they go from a transition period where they learn things on the way of how to deal with financials. Oftentimes they have the same problems, though, in terms of their house. Right. Of not being able to deal with that functionally well. But at least in terms of their finances, they understand that. And so, you know, don't want to get too far off the subject, but we see this case right here with Vince Young and his financial mishandlings. And a lot of that is because you're talking about a very young individual coming into a large sum of money that didn't really have a background and a platform of people directly in his family that could help him handle this in a situation, in a business and moving forward. And unfortunately for him, which frustrates me more than anything, is that he tried to allow his family to be in a position to help uh, him, which, in general speaking, you would think is a good thing. So it's even worse to where to find out in some manner whether it can be legally approved or not um, that they took advantage of him, uh, whether it's they're just plain lack of knowledge and not being honest and upfront and saying, hey, we need to get some additional help because I can't handle all this. A few things to wrap it up here and to throw it back to you guys. U of H women host Washington uh, Wednesday. Pac-12 school coming to Hawthorne. Tip is 7 o'clock. Rockets are playing Phoenix. I have a friend on the Husky staff. I haven't seen her in a while, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be at Hawthorne to watch that game or be Rockets' sons. Um, in addition to that, the Rice HBU men play at Shop Gym Wednesday also uh, on, on December that 4th. Be nice. So that should be an interesting game. The Owls are coming off a buzzer-beating win over Santa Clara in a, in a cable car cable car classic on uh, the 30th. 
I'm glad they pulled got a win in the, on that road trip. Uh, they 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 lost a rider the day before in overtime, 97-93. And in that game, if I remember right, they sank 18 three pointers. Yep. And lost. So. Yep. Uh, uh, ben, Coach Baron has the men three and four. So they're they're finding ways to win. They're keeping games close. I'm not sure if they've been blown out yet. No. They're finding ways to win. Uh, the U of H men are on the road Wednesday in College Station versus the Aggies. We'll see how they play. Aggies don't score a lot of points. Should be a should be a game within the in the 60s, maybe mid 70s. Without Daniel House, we'll see how the Cougs adjust to uh, the offense. And gotta play defense. I gotta ha I hammer that home over and over again. They gotta play defense in order to be successful. Back to your question about conference play. The Cougars' first conference game on the men's side is versus UConn on New Year's Eve. Well, folks, so you wanna come and see watch some real basketball? And that's uh, some pro players. 8 p.m. tip off. Wildcat, I think you'll be working the Rockets. I'll be at half finals for this game. Um, UConn just, you know, they're playing well on the men's side and women's side. I mean, you know, this is basketball. School, honestly. And some, like somebody mentioned earlier today, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, no. it's somebody from Brooklyn uh, about how that conference got started with the private schools and how ironic it became a state school that carried the load as far as basketball right. mm -hmm. with UConn on both the men and the women's side is the mainstay and why that it all thrives. And the ESPN says, put that stamp on it. As long as UConn is rolling, we so know. are we. They smart to right. do this. You know? Oh, and by the way, uh, HBU's women play UT Pan American tomorrow, just about 5.30 that, yeah. at, Sharp, yeah. at Sharp Gym. Oh, I see that. Well, I didn't realize it was 5.30. Okay, well, I'm not going to make that then. Well, yeah. I need you to be over there then. So. Oh, don't worry. I'll be there. And uh, yeah. wins, uh, Thursday, Rice women, Rice women play at home versus Texas State at uh, 7 p.m. We touched on the uh, Huskies, HBU versus uh, Rice on Wednesday, Sharp Gym. Prairie View Walker touched on the women's side. Lady Panthers play at Florida International on the 6th. PV men play Dallas Christian on the 8th. Uh, that's a home game on the hill. Before they out of town for the rest of the season. Yeah, bless them. <laughs> uh, TSU men, their next game Dallas is, Christian. is Wednesday uh, at Tulsa. <laughs> Again, Danny Manning coached Tulsa team. That should be an interesting test for them. Right. Uh, Lady Tigers' next game is next Sunday, if I'm correct, Doc, at Kansas. That's correct. At 2 p.m. That's a Big 12 school. Speaking of Big 12. That'll be an interesting test to see there because Kansas. Yeah, they're looking forward to that game. Uh, so. Carolyn Davis is from this area, plays for Kansas. She's a uh, 6'2", 6'3", post player. I think she's still uh, healthy enough to play. So we'll see how TSU handles that. I don't want to forget this. Uh, it's not – it's part of our broad area. But the Texas A&M women's team, the Aggies lost. Uh, yep. <laughs> the, oh, I think Go it, ahead. Where were you? You were, you were in the Puerto Rican shootout? Yes. In the Junkanoo, whatever it was, San, San Juan shootout, I think, uh, on Saturday. Junkanoo is uh, they lost, Bahamas. They lost the Paradise Jam. The Aggies lost mm -hmm. to Longhorn in the Paradise Jam. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which shocked me. And yeah. lost, lost by 11 points, too. The game, they were and down at halftime. It wasn't, it wasn't even close, really. And, you know, that person hadn't called me back, hadn't texted me back and all. It's it, <laughs> After I sent salutations, I'm going I'm to talk to that person here pretty soon. So, yeah, we'll have to go. Got to make a uh, Bahamas trip last year. And the Aggies also lost to Syracuse the next day. So, well, that's to be expected. They're struggling. Aggies are struggling to score points. You know, um, and I, I would assume, based on the scores versus the Longhorns and Syracuse, that both teams played zone defense, which still gives the Aggies problems. It's given the Aggies yeah. problems for years. So, 
even despite the championship that they won. Gave them problems in, but they just had shooters, people who were capable to shoot teams out of that zone. They don't have that in number like they do, like they did then. So we touched on a lot of different things here. Doc, how can folks find you on the Internet? Yes, they can go to um, thg-agency.com, main site. They can also find most of the reports uh, in terms of both the major and mid-major football poll rankings that will soon become the basketball men's and women's poll rankings, mid-major and major division. You can find that on onadon.com. That's www.onnidan.com. Uh, you can find it on tspnsports.com. And as we close out on the football, you can find the major division on the collegesportingnews.com in terms of football components of HBCU sports. In terms of social media, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. If you want to email me some questions, uh, in terms of HBCU sports, you can get me directly. Also, if you want the polls directly, you can email me. That's kcavill at thg-agency.com. K-C-A-V-I-L at thg-agency.com. And Wildcat, how can folks find you, sir? You can find me on the social media platforms, Twitter, excuse me, Blogger, YouTube, at AKSVDCSR. Also, you can find me online uh, kingsizeview.com, the online edition of a king size view, the printed paper. At the, the matter of fact, the uh, latest edition of a king size view is out at your Fiesta stores here in town, 16 stores all total, and four stores in the Dallas and Fort Worth area. We just play, uh, put them out on la on uh, Saturday. You should find them. The st uh, they are stacked and stocked and full. And they go cool in there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, check it out. Uh, I talked about, uh, especially football-wise, I talked about the local programs, uh, which are a common factor of each other just because they are FCS schools, HBU and TSU, where they should be headed down the road with a full uh, season of uh, recruiting, full season of spring uh uh, spring ball. Because uh, Texas Southern will get that back after being. And next year, back. both teams will have a full schedule. So it'll be interesting. One, TSU in the SWAC, HBU in the Southland. It'll be interesting how these teams go past this year because I'm giving both any, squads. Any word on them playing each other? You know what? I have yet to have a comment from on campus and hadn't had a meeting yet as of yet also. Work on that, sir. Work on that. You know, but I know if I pick up the phone and call up the road, I don't think I'm going to have a problem. Work on that, sir. Be, be interested in the matchup there. And football. I would like to say I think that the Southland and the SWAC are two ships passing in the night if we don't see some Especially because, because so of now. You're going to see an interesting dichotomy as you talk about with Houston Baptist and Texas Southern University as we continue to follow those over the next couple of years that you're alluding to. And, Doc, that you, that you made the mention of that, this season was a perfect example. Magnetic State, uh, Southeastern wins the, wins the conference, Sam Houston gets an at-large, and they have to go back to Southeastern Eastern this weekend to play the second round uh, of, of the uh, FCS uh, playoffs. And my last note, December the 15th, Sunday, HBU women can go to Baylor. 2 p.m. Bless their hearts. Yeah, they might get ugly. 
It will, it will get ugly. A uh, <laughs> couple, couple things. Uh, U of H men announced today, which we, we touched on last week's podcast, the, uh, that J.C. Washington, a 6'6 young man from Yates High School, has uh, signed, committed to uh, the basketball program. Cause we talked on this, how he was a, the fourth player that will be on the squad for U of H going along with Daniel House and Danny Red Knowles. And uh, J.D. Richardson and L.J. Rose makes five now, who was a top five, top ten product in the Houston area to play on the Houston Cougars squad. So, uh, J.C., welcome to the Cougars. Listen to these numbers. You know how Coach Wise does you prize a Wildcat in the system that you played, sir, when you were in high school under Coach Carr, the legend. J.C.'s average. different. No, 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 no. It said style. I didn't say the same thing, but just the numbers. 28.5 points. 13 rebounds and five and a half blocks per game. Now, JC 6'6, 220, top five, uh, according to our buddy Jim Hicks, RCS Sports Rankings. Uh, Justice Winslow is ranked number one in Hicks' uh, class of 14 poll. I've had more than one person tell me that there's not that much difference between, between Justice Winslow, who's committed to Duke and J.C. Washington is committed to the Cougars in this sense. One person told me justice isn't good enough for Duke. I've heard, seen few folks say justice is a, is a good glue guy. He likes to play defense, but he's a glue guy. Glue, glue guys don't go to Duke. Glue guys, stars go to Duke. Right. Stars go to Kentucky. Stars go to Kansas. You know, you're not All-American as a glue guy. Thank you. But... Heck, I had one person tell me they wouldn't be surprised if Justice comes back home in a year or two as a transfer. So yeah. that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I've been told. Yeah. I'm knocking him because that person's also a little bit bitter because Justice's dad, Ricky Winslow, is a cougar, and Ricky didn't get his son to come to U of H. But that's, you know, so that's neither here nor there. Right. But now, uh, to, to everybody's point, two things happen when you go to Duke. One, you find out who coaches. K really is in practice. It's not nice. This is somebody that has sat there. His military background what comes out. Yes, and people don't find it out until you sit there. So you, you can come in and read a newspaper as a parent or read a newspaper and just sit and watch. And he get, he allows you that that, that, that that space. The other thing is you only get one year and you get recruited over. Guys don't understand that until it actually happens. It's not about sitting on the bench, buying your time and trying to get in. You better come to work every day. If not, mentally, you are leaving. Because one thing, and folks who listen to podcasts will say, well, well, KG, Shane Battier was a glue guy. Not at Duke. Mm-hmm. No. Shane Battier was an offensive player. He averaged almost 20 points a game at Duke. And, ca- and carried that team when yes. they went to the playoffs. Yes, and won he the sure game. did. So. So with the, with he became a, a glue <laughs> guy when he came to the NBA, right? Out of necessity because his skill set and his at height. Duke was not, did not transfer over to the NBA. Correct. And, he, and he was a tweener as a height and a position type. So situation. Justice doesn't have the handles to be a you know a, a good guard, and he's not a great outside shooter. I'm not saying he can't develop these things because he had a lot of success playing for USA basketball. And I'm not bad mouthing young man. I hope he. I wish him well. But I'm just saying what I've been told, because so, I haven't seen Justice play much since probably he was a freshman 
Well, I, I have. So, I have. But see, J.C. Washington, another young man from the area, commit to the Cougars. I just want to say this to all my alums out there. You said for years U of H needs to get local talent. We'll come see him play. Well, here it is. We got local talent. No excuse. Three years in a row now. No excuse. In a basketball conference. No excuse. No excuse. Get your button off. Yeah, what, no excuse. What, what you going to do now? No yeah. excuse. So, you know, it's, it's all here for you. Let's so go support our school. And this year they need to and most definitely. Because this is the basketball conference. The talent is coming here. Second and the nine. level has been raised. So the this student section, the alum need to come support the school. And that's all, that's all I want to do. Come support the school because greatness is coming to town. Yeah, if for no other reason that you're going to actually see some great product uh, com teams coming. And all the games are going to be on TV. ESPN News, ESPN 3, ESPN 2, ESPN U, all the games are going to be on TV. The other thing. So, please, let's have butts in the seats rather than the seats, you know, empty seats not, you know, on TV. Right. <laughs> I agree. I agree because you get a chance to come and see these guys before they get to the league. And trust me, this conference is what it is all about. Get into the league. And that's because there's a lot of NBA talent in, in, in the American. Yes. In the American. Yes, Speaking sir. Speaking of, the man from Brooklyn this morning, he referenced, and he says everybody back home referenced that conference as the ACK. Who's that? Who? <laughs> one of the Brooklyn guys, he was there this morning visiting with one of the media. <laughs> I was like, now, anybody got in the comment? Because you've heard it from anywhere else, from somewhere else outside of me. They think, they, well, they well, think that, I'm just criticizing bad just because yeah, of football. That's, that's fine. But they only right now the, the act is only capable of filling four of their allowed guaranteed six bowls. Well, see, and, and, and that's right. my point. In football, they are the act. In football, yes. And, and you know, and, and, basketball, they are the Americans. American. <laughs> no question. It as much. Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> Men's <laughs> women's basketball, they are the Americans. I mean, football, they are the act. <laughs> you know, there's no doubt about that. They got a. a just raise level, uh, oh, you know, yeah, in football. Yeah. Um, you know, and next year, not, it's going to get notches. worse. It's going to get worse because you bring it, you lose, who you're losing and who you're bringing in is going to get worse on the football yeah. side. Yeah. But we're going to wrap it up. Another good podcast. Thank you, fellas. One As always, go ahead, Doc. Sure. Before you close this up, uh, uh, is the media it's not a thing, for cowboy thing is it? No, it's just for the Swag Championship okay. game oh, in the media. Oh, then let's, let's hear. We're <laughs> just interested to see. Oh, yeah. Next next week, folks, we're going to have a lot to say. Yeah, we're going to pull it out. We're going to follow up. But we just want to give you a little tease on that in terms of Swag Championship game with Southern coming to town, 8-4, 7-2 out of the Western Division and Jackson State, 8-3, 8-1 coming out of the East Division. Huge matchup game. Um, while we have the local championships, definitely want to get out there and see that. But those HBCU fans, uh, you have a chance to see – Two legendary programs that have won several championships and they're back at it again since the inaugural championship in 1999. That's a one o'clock game. I'll actually have some class students out there that's going to be doing, helping a professor coming out of Memphis doing a economic study on how the SWAC championship game influences uh, the Houston marketplace. So I'm interested to see how that goes and obviously the game and then the battle of the bands. Well, it'd be interesting to see the turnout at that game compared to the turnout at Rice. Rice. Exactly. Yeah. And one is one thing is for sure, I don't know what the alumni base of Southern Jackson State is, but I know for a fact Rice's alumni base is a little bit more now, but I know the last time that I talked to the president, uh, it was 45,000 walking. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Walking alumni. Walking.
Let's hear you. And notice what, what, what the Wildcats said, the listeners, the last time he talked to the president of Rice. Yeah, see, we're talking about this president that's, see, that's there now. All of us have connections that certain people still don't give us credit for. That's a whole don't other do story. That. Don't, don't do that to them. But that's, don't do but that that's, that's okay. We're doing our thing to sure. share our insight with you all. We appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you, as always, for listening to the KG, Bithel Wildcat, and Doc podcast. I'm going to wrap it up. As I always do, one thing. Don't forget about us sponsors. We're still, out, we're still here for you. Help us grow. Help you grow. Contact each of us about that. Thank you, as always. Friends, I'm on Instagram, Houston Round Bar Review. YouTube channel, Houston Round Bar Review. Twitter, T-H-E-H-R Review. Facebook fan page of the Round Bar Review is there as well. Um, got the Men's Who's blog. Website is HoustonRoundBarReview.com. Spread the word about the podcast. We're starting to grow. People are, are, are give me comments about the podcast. We're tweeting, about, tweeting the links, retweeting the links to their friends. So we thank you for all the support you're giving us. We try, we always try to be better each and every podcast. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.